there's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar here along with Jonathan Harrison. And we have a lot to discuss here, Jonathan. Another crazy week in the National Football League. And uh, I think what we're seeing now is that teams are really separating themselves. That we're starting to get a much better idea of who the contenders are and also the pretenders we have both of those things that we're starting to get an idea of and we will discuss that as we go along but uh first i'll say happy thanksgiving to you how are you doing i am doing great uh happy thanksgiving happy uh butt fumble anniversary if you will as well so it's a great day it's a great day for nfl football fans all over the world i always like to point out my favorite part about the butt fumble which is when chris collinsworth says oh no (laughs) like (laughs) He realizes what happened and he just got like, you just hear on the broadcast, the minute he hits that, butt, Chris Collinsworth just goes, Oh no. Like he knows, (laughs) he knows where this is going. He knows that that's going to be a low light. I don't know if you realized it was going to be a low light for history. He starts breaking down like what Vince Wilfork is doing and everything else, but he knew he knew. And then when the slow motion right into the butt and ESPN used to do this thing. I don't know if they still do, but they did like the worst play of the week. The not and, top 10. Uh, yes. And uh, they would do like a competition of worst yeah. plays and they kept putting other plays up against the butt fumble week after week after week. And they had to it, retire it. They had to retire it. Right. Cause nothing <laughs> could possibly beat the butt fumble. So what a magical time in our lives. What was that? 10 years ago, 10 years ago today. Beautiful. Just a beautiful, beautiful day in history. Name another sport they would give you the butt fumble. There isn't oh, one. No, so that's none. None why whatsoever. We football. That's why we chose football. Uh, let's begin, though, Jonathan, with uh, something that's not quite as bad as butt fumble, but it's not going very good at all. The Los Angeles Rams season, after they lost to the New Orleans Saints, the Rams' chances of making the playoffs are about as good as you and I making the playoffs. So, uh, first of all, are you surprised by what happened to them this year? And then tell me, what do you think their future looks like? And what's the biggest drop-off that you can remember from a team reaching the Super Bowl, then not winning at all after that and just completely falling off the face of the earth? This is a very complex question because there's so much to it. I'm a little surprised because I figured with the talent they have that they would be able to just kind of run it back or come close. I don't think they were going to go to the Super Bowl again. You weren't getting that kind of season out of Matt Stafford again, because that was for that kind of quarterback, for the kind of quarterback that Matthew Stafford is, that he's been for his entire career, including his time in Detroit. That was a once in a, once in a career season that he had last year. And it wasn't going to happen again. And we've seen it. And we, we, we have, we had talked previously that his injury history was going to come back to bite him. And it has this season and everybody kind of, anybody who was, who had paid attention remotely to his career, knew that there was an injury history to happen. And when they lost some key starters in that offensive line and the pass blocking went down from being the best in the league to being just average or or down there, that things were going to happen that weren't happening last year. And so far, 
their passing game is nothing like it was last year. Now they've lost Cooper Cup. They don't have as good of pass blocking. So everything's going against Matthew Stafford. And we're seeing the Matthew Stafford that a lot of Detroit fans and a lot of the NFC North have seen for the past decade. So I'm a little surprised, but also there were signs that this thing could happen because, yes, they have talent up top, but the rest of the, the roster it just it isn't there because they've said bleep them picks, and that's generally where you get the depth of your roster. You're not going to bring that in in free agency because it costs too much. So they've their strategy worked to get them the Super Bowl. Congratulations. You can't take that back. They'll have that forever. But the next couple years is going to be rough because they don't have draft picks, high-end draft picks to bring people in. They don't have, it seems like, a lot of cap space because they've spent it on that top-end talent. So it's going to be rough for Los Angeles fans for a while because of their strategy to get to the Super Bowl and win it. They got the Super Bowl, congratulations, but from here on out, it's going to be a rough ride unless Sean McVay can pull out a an incredible magic trick that he that he's going to have to do over the next couple of years. As for the third part of this question, the first team that came to mind was the 2002 Raiders, who lost the Super Bowl that year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then proceeded to go 4-12, and 5-11, 4-12, 2-14, 4-12, 5-11, 5-11. It took them 14 years after losing to the Super Bowl to get back into the playoffs. It was an incredible fall from grace for the, for the Raiders after they got to the Super Bowl and, and faced their former coach that they had traded away. You know, that's funny because another possible answer is also the Bucks yep. from that same Super Bowl yes. <laughs> that you could look at where they went. It wasn't that long after that they were hiring Lovey Smith, thinking that uh, Josh McCown was going to be the answer. I mean, there's a lot of sort of funny things that happened. The Josh Freeman era in Tampa Bay where they thought they had a quarterback and then that fell off the face of the earth. So both of those teams did essentially nothing for a very, very long time. And the Raiders, you could still argue, are yeah. continuing to do absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, my answer to that, I'll go kind of backwards. My answer to that was the Broncos that they won in yeah. 2015. And of course, Peyton Manning retires. And then that was it for them. Trevor Simeon the next year, I think they may have gone eight and eight or something like they were fairly respectable. And then since then have been just mediocre, mediocre. And now after making the huge Russell Wilson move, absolutely horrendous. And that I don't think anybody saw coming, but uh, their post Manning quarterback play, including Paxton Lynch, including Drew Locke. Like they've just had the worst luck. And then somehow Russell Wilson forgot how to play football or Nate Hackett can't coach or the receivers stink or whatever it is that's causing that. It is a very, very bad situation. And now all of a sudden Vic Fangio doesn't look so bad or even heck Teddy Bridgewater doesn't look so bad after that. Teddy Bridgewater looks like a great starting quarterback in comparison to what's happened with Russell Wilson this year. So I think they've been pretty cursed since uh, they won that Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe they sold their soul for it because an offense that bad may never win <laughs> yes. a Super Bowl ever again. Um, so uh, as far as, you know, what does the future look like for the Los Angeles Rams? And I think that they still have enough talented players to attempt to reload in the future, but I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, cap space matters. Like I know that people will say that, oh, the cap doesn't exist and whatever else, but it does. You can only pay so many people. And like you said, you have to fill out the rest of the roster with draft picks. And they had hit on some late and mid-round draft picks in the past that helped them out. But one of the things that happens when you win, well, two things that happen 
almost unequivocally when a team wins. One, they get very, very expensive. Players who are maybe not mm -hmm. worth X number of dollars start demanding X number of dollars. And not only that, but you get injured because you played a lot more football than everybody else. If you missed the playoffs last year and you didn't even play your starters by the last game of the season, think about how much less football yeah. your guys played than the Los Angeles Rams, who started in the wild card round, played 21 games. It's a 17-game season with only one team that gets a first-round bye. I mean, there's a lot of football getting played. Uh, and I think we've really seen that this year with all the injuries. And then, you know, you have somebody like Andrew Whitworth who just says, okay, I'm good. We're all set here. I'm going to wrap up my career. Um, I also think that there's a motivational difference. Once you've won it all, you have the parade and how many teams ever come back with the same sort of let's go get them. I mean, Kansas city kind of did probably would, would be in that list with a young quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Who's like that, but I mean, that Rams team, they really celebrated it hard and, you know, they didn't come back uh, in the same way. Also injuries, Matt Stafford, like you said, banged up. Well, that's kind of been a lot of his career and he was able to fight his way through it. But this year, not as much with a very poor offensive line. So I think that team um, in the future is going to look at a lot of seasons like this. And it's very similar to the Atlanta Falcons who went to the Super Bowl and then got back to the playoffs. So a little bit better than the Rams, but still like they couldn't keep it all together. Injuries hit them, missed draft picks, whatever else, and they weren't competitive again and still really aren't competitive since 2016. I think it's very hard when you do that to try to keep going all in. Um, you really get one shot at it, and you're right. The flag will fly forever uh, for them. And as far as what happened, I mean, we've kind of covered it, but really, I mean – everything came together for them last year, including that they were able to acquire Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham. I mean, I don't think that Odell Beckham is going to be in the hall of fame, but he's certainly hall of very, very good. And Vaughn Miller will be in the hall of fame. How often can you just add players like that in the middle of a season? It was insane. Yeah. So it's just a very crazy circumstance. Everything came together. They got a very favorable matchup with what a 10 win team in San Francisco in the NFC championship because green Bay had lost. If they had to go to Lambeau field, I don't know if they're able to do the same thing. Um, but everything came together for them. But I think um, it, that, that doesn't happen year after year. So the Los Angeles Rams could be in for some tough years. And I'll make a prediction here, Jonathan, that by this time next year, Sean McVay is broadcasting the Thanksgiving day games because I think he's going to cite wanting to spend more time with his family after seeing what is going on yeah. here. There were even rumors last year at the end, like, Oh, is he even going to come back? And he decided to, but I think he's going to say, you know what? I'm going to be like John Madden. I'm going to have a lot of success at a very young age and then just call it a day, be a great broadcaster and personality. There's been a lot of coaches who have done this. I wouldn't be shocked if Sean McVay did. That's also part of the reason why I'm sort of not surprised this is happening to the Rams, because when you have that kind of waffling in the offseason from not just your head coach, but also from your star defensive, your Hall of Fame defensive tackle in Aaron Donald, where those two drug out the process of whether they were going to come back or not. And there was a lot of talk in the offseason, whether both of them or either one of them was going to come back. And eventually they decided they they wanted to run it back. But when you have that kind of waffling, like Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, it seems like that kind that can kind of weigh down on the rest of the roster and they can kind of sense because we've talked about that in football, you kind of need to be 100% in. And when you're contemplating retirement in the offseason, there's part of you that's definitely not 100% in. So I think 
a part of that definitely weighs on what's happened this season is that those two guys kind of want out. They're kind of half in, half out. And at this point, I, I kind of agree with you that at this point next year, Sean McVay may just have hung it up and is in the broadcast booth. Yeah, I, I can really see that. And I think you make a very fair point that if it doesn't seem like somebody's all in, even if you're trying as hard as you can, it's not yeah. the same as when you're chasing that first Super Bowl. And for Sean McVay, he was trying to eliminate the narrative that he couldn't coach in those big games where he got to the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick owned him and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I think that maybe had he it's not going to affect his legacy or anything, but had he just stepped away, it's probably like Sean Payton, like Sean Payton probably tried one year too long doing it without Drew Brees and maybe should have said, no, I'm, I'm good. And just stepped away. <laughs> yeah. um, but he ended up playing Ian book in a football game at one point. Uh, next hot route for you in Carolina, they are making a quarterback change. Is everyone not talking about this in the national football league? It doesn't everyone want to talk about this. It is a quarterback change from Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold. Can you imagine saying that sentence in 2018 when they were drafted? Just speak that to yourself. What? Uh, yeah, that's happening. Here's my question, Jonathan. These two quarterbacks at one time looked like it was going to go pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, Sam Darnold had like uh, what a seven and nine season where he showed some flashes and Baker Mayfield had an 11 win season where he took Cleveland uh, deep into the playoffs and they are a Chad Henney run away from Baker Mayfield going to the AFC championship. I mean, what happened in, in your mind to Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield? I think for Baker Mayfield, it's got to be the leadership skills, right? Because we've, we've, we've heard plenty of comments and other things from some of his teammates that they're not all in on the Baker Mayfield experience that they just don't buy it. They're kind of sick of the, the kind of egotistical attitude that he can put on. Sometimes we saw that in college when he was playing for Oklahoma and going planting the flag at Ohio stadium. And you, you, you can't do that. If you're the quarterback, unfortunately, it's just for that position, you're leading the team. You are the franchise guy. You're drafted in the first round. You kind of have to be a little bit more mature than that. And Baker's just never, it seems have gotten to that point as an as an NFL quarterback that he's just comfortable and it seems like he's good enough to run an NFL team and be be a leader and it just I think that's what's done him in because as he's mentioned he had the 11 win season he had the Kevin Stefanski led season that got him to the playoffs got the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs for the first time in a long time and it looked like everything was going up and then after that it just fell apart he's now in Carolina and it just it never worked out you can blame it on Matt Rule if you want but there, he he had a what four and seven or he had whatever the record was this year a one and five record this year for the Panthers and it's just I don't know that I want to blame the coaching staff because he's had some pretty decent coaching staffs in his past and now it's just it clearly two different places it hasn't worked out and you got to start looking at him for Sam Darnold I don't know what happened because in college he had a decent enough arm he was pretty accurate led some high win teams at USC in the Pac-12 and then in the NFL it just never got working whether that was the NFL whether that was the Matt or the Adam Gase effect and the Matt Rule effect it's hard to say what happened to him because it just fell off I think it's very much just a crap start for his career and it just he was never able to get past that and things kind of built up some some tendencies built up in his way and then he just could never break them and it just has never worked out for him unfortunately I think with Baker Mayfield one of the hardest things to figure out is 
how much is a team around the quarterback helping them, especially when they're on a rookie contract and how much is it the quarterback? And what we saw in Cleveland was as soon as that supporting cast got banged up a little, or as soon as some of the league maybe figured out some of the Kevin Stefanski things, they couldn't run the same way that they were running before. Then he immediately fell off the map. Also Baker Mayfield had, you know, some injuries and stuff. And I think that somebody like Baker really needs everything to be just right. He needs to be running the football play action, taking shots down the field, have good receivers. I don't think that he can overcome anything really. Uh, He's not really a playmaker. He's more of a, like has to be completely set to throw the ball. He's like the worst possible version of Kirk cousins. I mean, right? Like that's, (laughs) he has a stronger arm and I think he's got more moxie, but he also like where there's more cockiness and confidence, which can be good. There's also more jerkiness and lack of self-awareness for Baker Mayfield, which really uh, has come through in his NFL career. And like you said, it showed when he was in college. And that's the thing with Sam Darnold. The uh, there was things in, in college, too, that people ignored. Um, because they looked at the high end. They looked at the arm talent that you mentioned. And if you look at a highlight reel from him with the New York Jets, oh, it's impressive. There's a lot of incredible throws. But there's also a lot of throws that go right to the other team. And I, it's it's like the Jameis Winston thing, only like juiced up a little bit more, that, that everybody always falls in love with the look how great this throw was, look how great that throw was. And then I think coaches, once that happens, they try to contain the guy. Like, okay, now we need to like pair back the offense. We need to go short passes and he's not very accurate. And what you have is just a backup quarterback, somebody who could possibly have a really good game, could make a few good throws. I mean, Jameis Winston said it was hurting his soul that he wasn't playing. And I'm like, you're lucky you're still in the league, man. You throw 30 (laughs) interceptions. If you weren't the first overall pick, you would be playing in the XFL this year. And I think that Darnold is kind of along the same lines that if this was not somebody who was a high draft pick, he wouldn't be getting too many more chances the way that he's played because there is nothing on paper that says that the guy can play. You can't get sacked constantly. You can't throw to the other team constantly. And I don't know if that's something that really changes. I almost think that when you scout draft prospects, it's about the negative parts of their game as much as the positives. We usually focus on, oh, this is the high end. This is the ceiling and everything else. But you know, we really need to look at the low parts of it because that's what usually ends up coming out and uh, and getting these guys. So neither one of them is all that exciting. Carolina is left to flutter in the wind, but I don't know. I might have just kept playing Baker and lost every single game to make sure C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young ends up in a Carolina uniform. So we're not going to spend any more time on Carolina. I don't care if you have a follow-up. They don't <laughs> no. deserve it. No, uh, don't. But it is fascinating when quarterbacks go bust because if you weren't 100% sure on those guys, then you are now, and they will either be career backups or out of the league after this. Two guys that were at the very top of a draft class that produced Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So this offseason, let me just say this now, as loud as I possibly can, when you hear the draft analysts yelling at each other or arguing online or making all these cases or doing film pieces about why they think X quarterback is this, that, or the other thing, nobody knows. No one ever has. Dan Marino was taken in the second round. Nobody knows, folks. No one knows. If they did, Lamar Jackson's number one and Josh Allen's number two or vice versa of that draft class. And instead, Allen is the third quarterback and Lamar Jackson is the fifth. 
or wait, uh, actually it might've been fourth and fifth. Josh Rosen, was he taken ahead of Allen? I think he was. So, yeah. I mean, and wow, he's a bigger bust than any of these guys. So <laughs> nobody knows nothing. Anyway, on to the next thing. Uh, I want you to rank the six win teams in the NFL. It's a fascinating group. These teams all have six wins. New England, New York, Jets, Cincinnati, Washington, San Francisco, and Seattle. All of them six win teams. I think San Francisco is far and away the number one in that list. With what they've done over the past couple weeks, their defense is incredible. Their offense is still firing on all cylinders. Now that Jimmy G is back in control of it, and you see how the team has rallied around Jimmy G, and they're all in on the Jimmy G experience because they know that he can lead them deep into the playoffs like he's done before. So I think they're far and away number one. I think Cincinnati, if they can get things going, if they can get Joe Burrow, uh, if they can get him some kind of protection, any kind of protection, and he's able to connect with his receivers, that team is number two. And those two are not really close to the rest of these teams on this list, I think, based off of past precedent from those teams and kind of the rosters that they have and the coaching staff that, that they have. Seattle is number three for me, although at this point it starts to get a little murky uh, because all these teams are kind of in different the same boat, but for different reasons. Seattle, I don't really – like I like the Geno Smith story. I love the Geno Smith story that it's been eight years since he's got to start and he's leading a six-win team, but I there's part of me that still doubts him from his past. And until – he can put it together for an entire season. Then I'm not, then I'm, I'm going to be hesitant on believing it. And I love this story. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to, I don't want to put them above San Francisco because San Francisco's just so stinking good right now. And they seem like a team that could be the NFC team this year uh, based off of everything that they have on their roster. So I think Seattle's number three for me, New England's a close fourth because I don't trust their offensive coordinator. We've talked about that a number of times that 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 whole situation is very confusing and it just, it never looks good. They scored 10 points this weekend against the jets and, and the only touchdown came on a last second punt return touchdown. So their offense struggles, their defense is, is incredible with Matt Judon leading the league in, in sacks. So that's going to be a tough one for any defense or any offense to handle the New York jets follow up with fifth because of their defense. That defense is incredible. It is, it's one of the best defenses in the league. According to PFF, they've got the highest defensive rating in the league or grade in the league. So I'm willing to put them above Washington, even though I like Washington's offense a little bit better than new than New York's because of New York's defense alone. Like Washington's defense is good, but it's nothing compared to the Jets defense. And if the Jets can figure out what to do with Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco or whoever's going to be the quarterback there, then they made jump above New England, but right now it's New England, New York, and then Washington only because of the defenses at play in, on those two te- on those three teams. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It really says something when you're like, I think Washington's offense is better. You're like, wow. (laughs) I mean, they're not a good offense at all with Taylor Heineke. But, you know, Zach Wilson could take a uh, memo from Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is not good, but he is gutsy. And people seem to like him. 
And that actually does matter. And uh, Zach Wilson has been the opposite of gutsy and no one seems to like him. And uh, (laughs) who are we just talking about? Baker Mayfield. Don't be a worse Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson. You know, I think that immaturity really is showing with Zach Wilson. And there's a reason why quarterbacks back in the day used to sit for like Mm -hmm. two or three years, not all of them, but some of them. Um, Sometimes it's because they weren't mature enough to handle it. And that is certainly the case with Zach Wilson. And I think that's going to kind of split up that team. And there's obviously already some, uh, some, some, you know, pushing and shoving there because the defense has been so good that they're like Super Bowl level good. And the offense is, uh, oh, 17 level bad. Uh, I think that they should just play Joe Flacco. Like, look, yeah. man, nothing is, nothing is given in this league. And when you have a chance to win, when you are actually a six win team and you're, you're competing for a spot in the playoffs, play a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl, even if he's completely washed up, just do it because at least the guys will rally behind him and uh, it can't be worse than scoring three points. Um, so I, I, you know, your order I think is very accurate. The one I was, thing I was trying to decide is now we just watched San Francisco blow the doors off of Arizona. Arizona is competing for the worst franchise in the entire NFL. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm sure like they're not sex predators, like what Daniel Snyder and Washington and the way they handled the cheerleaders and all that stuff. But they, as far as management goes, have completely botched Kyler Murray's rookie quarterback contract in ways not thought possible with someone who's that yes. good at football. And I know like Colt McCoy and Murray's hurt and he's not perfect either and plays too many video games and all that sort of stuff. But so do you, Jonathan, <laughs> uh, I think he would have been better served by a different coach that they yeah. had just, if they had changed coaches after last year, it would have given him a chance. Now I wonder if he's even part of that organization uh, a year from now. So I don't want to overreact to San Francisco doing that. I've been on the Cincinnati train like, hey, don't forget about them. They were in the Super Bowl last year. And here's why I'm staying on the Cincinnati train. As much as I respect San Francisco, and I think they'll win the division, Cincinnati has been doing it without Jamar Chase. And yeah. Joe Burrow, like you said, the offensive line isn't great. And he is just out there throwing BBs still. He's making plays still. I am so impressed when a guy can lose his number one wide receiver and still find a way to win. And that is what Joe Burrow is doing. So I, I, I'm going to still put Cincinnati maybe as the best of that group with San Francisco right there. And then I agree with you, Seattle, New England, New York, Washington. I don't really have a whole lot of belief in Washington. Their secondary isn't that good. Their offense isn't all that good. So um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's a very clear cut Cincinnati and San Francisco. If they faced each other in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be shocked. Seattle is super interesting though. Can they keep it going? You should also never doubt a Bill Belichick team to continue to just win with defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all of these teams, I think, could really go one way or the other. You could see complete collapses or you could see, Hey, the jets, you know, bench Zach Wilson and then go on a winning streak with Joe Flacco. And it's one of the coolest stories of the year. It is uh, that kind of season. Uh, Next question for you. Speaking of crazy stuff at the quarterback position, James Garoppolo, it may be awkward, but man, it doesn't seem to show. I guess when you look that good as Jimmy Garoppolo does, (laughs) you don't care if stuff's awkward. You're like, look at me. Just look at me. Yeah. Are you seeing me? Like, I'm not worried. I'm going to look like this for a while longer. I don't know what's going to happen with you guys. So maybe that plays into life. it. I feel, you know, that's where my confidence comes from. <laughs> we have the same exact thing. Uh, so, uh, 
but they look legit though. I mean, even though I just said Cincinnati's better, but that's the AFC. It's a different, it's a different monster. San Francisco, I think, is right up there. They might be stronger than Philly. They might be right on with Philly as the, the best team in the entire NFC with the way they're playing with Jimmy Garoppolo now back to 100% off of his shoulder surgery and looking extremely confident. Let's say they go deep in the playoffs. I'm talking NFC Championship or Super Bowl. What does San Francisco do with James Garoppolo? I think you got to keep him. And you just got you to gotta bite the bullet and just trade Trey Lance because he in the limited time we've seen Trey Lance, he doesn't seem ready. And what it's been four appearances, so it's really hard to say that to be any confident about that kind of a statement. But when you have a guy who's taking you to deep runs in the playoffs and gotten to the Super Bowl, what three of the last four seasons, I think it is. Why why would you move on from that even if you have a rookie quarterback contract? You've got a guy that clearly the rest of the offense believes in. You've now paired him with Christian McCaffrey and what he's able to add to that offense in the running and passing game. And you've got one of the best defenses in the league that is just going to destroy and demolish any offensive line that gets put in front of them. I'm not getting rid of the quarterback who's done that time and time again, year in and year out. Yes, he's got injury problems. Yes, he can make some awkward decisions in really bad moments. But for the most part, Jimmy G knows how to run that offense and has done it for the past four or five years or whatever it is. I'm sticking with Jimmy G and I'm giving him a contract. It may have to be one of those monster contracts because of what he's been able to do. But you also might be able to kind of negotiate it down a little bit based off the fact that he is not the top tier and elite quarterbacks. There's got to be a middle market there somewhere. And maybe Jimmy G can be that guy. But I would stick with Jimmy G over Trey Lance because you, you just don't know with Trey Lance and you do know with Jimmy G. I'd rather have the devil I know than the devil I don't. Now, you make all good points. And I don't disagree with anything you said. Here's the one problem. Yeah. Mr. Garoppolo is a free agent after this year because of the way that the contract was set up and the draft of Trey Lance and everything else. His cap hit is very reasonable this year. They got it down to around 13 million. He is going to want to be paid 40 million. And guess what? The New York jets are sitting there. (laughs) Yes. Robert Sala connection. Yep. Similar offense with a LaFleur, one of them, Mike, I think. And uh, so they were on a similar offense. There's the San Francisco connection. They have Garrett Wilson. This is an up and coming team. They've got mm-hmm. some young players. Uh, Brees Hall will come back next year after his injury that are pretty exciting. They have a great defense. That looks like an up and coming version of San Francisco, does it not? And if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, my question is, how vindictive are you? If you go to the NFC Championship and you just say, you know what, guys, enjoy Trey Lance because Jimmy out. Jimmy wants to go be in the bright lights of New York where his beauty belongs. I mean, I could see it, right? Like that that makes a lot of sense for an organization that looks like it's turning around and, and could thrive after this. And Jimmy Garoppolo has every right to be like, you guys didn't believe in me. You believed in a draft pick who played at North Dakota. So live with it. Um, I thought it was nice of Jimmy to rework his contract. Uh, They clearly wanted to trade him at some point. I mean, that's the thing. Like, how vindictive are you? If it was me, I'd be like, oh, what a shame. You hate to see it. See ya. Uh, That's how I would be. But he might not be that way. He He might be like 40 million, stay in San Francisco. Sure. I think if I was him, 
I would also, if I'm thinking about going to the Jets, I would look at the rest of the division and the rest of that conference and think which side or which conference am I better to get a Super Bowl in, NFC or AFC? And if he's Jimmy Garoppolo, it's probably going to be the NFC because the AFC stacked with quarterbacks. The AFC East, or yeah, AFC East is stacked with quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Tua, looks like he's coming around in that offense. Mac Jones might be able to do it if he has a competent offensive coordinator. I'd rather stick in the, the NFC West where you've got no competition for quarterbacks. You're probably the best team there, the best setup team for the next handful of years. I'd look for the long game. I'd maybe take a little bit of a discount just to have that chance, have a better chance at the Super Bowl if I'm him. Because if if you get past, if you're able to get past Josh Josh Allen in the in the AFCs, then you still got Patrick Mahomes. You still got Josh or Justin Herbert. You still got Tua. You still got all these other quarterbacks who are really incredible in the AFC, and you've got who in the NFC? Really? I'm, I'm taking the shot in the NFC. Okay, I think, again, you make fair points. <laughs> it all comes down to how vindictive are you. But, yes, you know, the, we're just assuming that San Francisco would even keep them. I mean, it's altogether possible that they would still say, eh, you know, we drafted <laughs> Trey Lance True. onto the next thing, like onto the future. If Jimmy Garoppolo didn't win the Super Bowl, if you win the Super Bowl, you sign whatever contract, it doesn't matter. Congratulations. Yeah. You won the Super Bowl and the next five to 10 years don't even matter for you. I mean, it really doesn't. When you win the Super Bowl in the NFL, I don't think anyone cares what you do in the next 10 years. Then, okay. Mm -hmm. People forget that you won the Super Bowl, but maybe 10 years is too many. Five years. Denver's a good example of this five yeah. years you win the Super Bowl and then five years later people are like well you know we still won the Super Bowl recently <laughs> but after that okay it's time to move on um but that I think it's a fascinating situation because of how realistic it could be and they still might say you know we don't want to pay you 40 million dollars a year but I think at this point that you know if he does take them to the NFC championship or Super Bowl again they should just say all right Jimmy you proved us wrong we're going to trade Trey Lance. We're going to try to get some of those draft picks back and we're going to move on. And like you said, Trey Lance hasn't shown enough. This isn't like a Sam Darnold situation where it was years of bad. Like there's no years of bad. He's just got a couple of starts under his belt. And you can't tell me that there aren't teams out there who are desperate for future quarterbacks like Indianapolis. Would they be interested in somebody like Trey Lance? They are completely lost. And a lot of teams are going to miss out on uh, this year's draft class. There might be, like they're hyping guys that I think aren't even any good. Like Will Levis, like is he's like a second round pick kind of looks like to me anyway. I mean, I think there are going to be fewer, very, very high quarterbacks that actually look like franchise quarterbacks than we may have thought going into the season. Uh, last question. Speaking of highly drafted quarterbacks, Justin Fields, unfortunate injury to his shoulder, still unclear about his status for the rest of the season. He has shown himself to have some serious talent on the ground. In fact, he is fifth in rushing yards for a quarterback. It's nuts. That doesn't ever happen. Uh, even with some of the greatest running quarterbacks ever, that is not happening where they are top five in rushing. I want you to tell me, Jonathan, who are your favorite running quarterbacks of all time? Uh, my top three, I'll give you my top three, Steve Young. I love the, I love a lefty quarterback. So he automatically gets put up there just for that alone, but also his running ability and being able to take over for the legend that is Joe Montana and being able to do it successfully. Uh, a plus to him. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I know it's recency bias, but his his running ability is absolutely incredible. And you see the passing game coming along and his speed is just 
unseen besides Justin Fields at that at that position. That is incredible to have that and be able to do it successfully and stay as healthy as he has over the past couple of years. That is also incredible. And then I think number three for me has to be Randall Cunningham, uh, just because the Minnesota factor, the one great year he had in Minnesota in 98, but also just looking at some of his stats back when he was in Philadelphia, then how they used him. And I just imagine him in the NFL today and how incredible, how insanely incredible Randy, Randall Cunningham would be in today's NFL. And that just, it gets me juice thinking of a guy transplanting him, taking a question from a couple weeks ago, transplanting him from the past NFL into today's NFL. I want to see a time machine put Randall Cunningham into this decade of NFL action and just see his arm go to work and see his legs go to work in this kind of, this kind of league. Yeah, that's, I mean, great selections there. And there's lots to choose from. Steve McNair is probably my favorite running quarterback ever. Uh, McNair came out of Elkhorn State as a top draft pick. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have ever thought that he would take a team to the Super Bowl within four feet or whatever of uh, potentially winning a Super Bowl for the uh, Tennessee Titans? I mean, just what a player. And I mean, the second half of his career, he wasn't running the same way. And he developed his accuracy in his pocket play. I mean, same with Randall Cunningham, where yeah. I loved when those guys would show that there was more to them. Um, even, you know, so Mike Vick is a hard one to bring up because of what happened with him. Yep. But if we don't talk about that part, as far as favorites go, it's just hard to name him as favorites because yep. of the off the field stuff. But uh, as far as the most exciting players of all time, Mike Vick goes in the same ballpark as Barry Sanders Randy Moss, Gale Sayers, Lawrence Taylor, like he's on the list of players mm -hmm. who just took it to a completely different level. And similarly, when he came back with Philadelphia and since then, and you have to give someone credit for this, for making horrible decisions in their life and then changing themselves mm -hmm. and becoming a quality citizen. And I think that Mike Vick deserves a lot of credit for that. And, uh, you know, you can vilify him for what he did before, rightfully, but also give him credit for what he's become. But anyway, as I mean, as far as exciting players go, one of the fastest that's ever lived and also one of the strongest arms. So that's, I would say, uh, as far as players I've enjoyed watching Mike Vick and then Cordell Stewart slash the all time leader in receiving yards for quarterbacks. Uh, if you talk about play today, they lined up with a fullback, a tight end and two wide receivers outside the numbers in that offense. That's not built for Cordell Stewart. And yet he still had, what, a 13-win season mixed in there? I mean, Cordell Stewart was, a, I think, a very good quarterback in his day. And uh, now he would have had many more resources to use his speed and his talent. But one of the most unique talents to ever play and probably did not get the appreciation uh, in Pittsburgh that he deserved while he was there uh, because you know, various reasons, but maybe inconsistency was one of them that you know, he could be so exciting and then really struggle as well at times. But man, the high end, the, the top plays of Cordell Stewart, when he first broke into the league as a running back, receiver, quarterback, there are very few players who have ever been as exciting. And I was going to ask another part of this about Justin Fields, but I think I may have uh, asked you this before about Fields and what he can become. So I guess I would ask you this just to wrap up on. Do you think that quarterbacks of the future have to be runners? I think so. Yeah, I think it has to be. I don't think they have to be the runners like Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, but they they no longer can be just the sit in the pocket, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type of players anymore. That just that's gone out the window with 
the the RPOs, the the play action, the boots, all this stuff. They have to be able to move out of the pocket and just be able to create uh, more time and give the receivers more time to get open because of the way these defenses play. Uh, you have to have that ability to run around and just make some make some plays at that position. And I don't think a pocket passer is going to do it anymore in this NFL with how creative some of these offensive coordinators are are right now and are going to have to be with the way defenses have really stepped up over the past couple of years. I think that that's mostly true with one exception, which is accuracy. Yeah. But you can't just be a little accurate. You have to be unbelievably accurate. And if you're going to be that guy, you can't just kind of be a leader. You got to be an unbelievable leader. You can't just sort of understand football. You've got a super duper unbelievable understand football. Because I'm looking at Joe Burrow and I'm looking at Tua and I'm saying there's two quarterbacks who don't really run. I think Joe Burrow had like 160 yards running last year. Mm -hmm. They are playmakers to some extent, Burrow more than Tua, but neither one is Mahomes either where they're just running around throwing at crazy arm angles. Both of them are really just big brain guys who really understand football and have insane accuracy. So it still can be done. I wouldn't count it out, but I think that what running does is so Jalen Hurts has some problems in his game. Well, he can even that out yeah. by running the ball. And Josh Allen has some problems in his game, but he can even that out by running the ball and making plays out of structure. So I think it's still, uh, it's going to be very important, but I don't know if we'll ever quite see, as good as Fields is, we'll ever quite see a Mike Vick or a Randall Cunningham just run around back there like crazy uh, ever again. Great stuff, Jonathan. Happy Thanksgiving to you and everyone who has uh, joined Hot Routes Nation. There's no hot routes nation. I just people say that about whatever we're they have. It. It's gonna happen. So it's like what well, it's one of the things that when did that start? Did it start with like Red Sox Nation? I'd never heard yeah. that before, and then I think that yeah. was it. Uh anyway, well, that's neither here nor there. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy all of your football, and we will talk to you all next week.